1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
3: Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Sue Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. And I've got a great episode for you today. I sit down with musician. Hamish Hawk, and it's a delightful chat, and I can't wait for you to hear it. But before we kick off with that chat, just a few thank yous. Firstly, uh, a huge thank you to you lot for just being bloody lovely and continuing to listen and and send little messages that, you know, what episodes you enjoyed and stuff, and just being generally lovely. So thank you, uh, a huge thanks, because, you know, I'm, I'm so blessed to get to have some ace chats with so many, like, you know, amazing crave people and then to know that other people get enjoyment out of listening to them chats is amazing. So uh yeah, huge thanks to you lot. Uh big thanks to uh, the pod father himself, uh my homie Scroobius Pip. So thanks loads, Pip, uh for letting me be part of your Distraction Pieces network. What a lovely place that is. Um so many other amazing podcasts on there. Films we buried with with um emmy award winning uh brett goldstein um is a great podcast obviously my hardcore listening podcast is over there with my my cohort chris glasson um and you've got oh, uh, there's, there's stacks of podcasts over there mama mama say why to drugs uh, Oh gosh well dan lasak's got a podcast over there scroob sidekick and former guest on this um jason reed stop and search it's a great podcast um Oh, God. Oh, no, I'm forgetting some. Um, Bozers has got a podcast over there. Go check that out if you love your wrestling. Um, I think that's it. Oh, God. I guarantee I forgot someone. But, yeah, go check out the Distraction. Oh, Scroobius Pip's got a podcast on there. I've heard it's all right. Um, So, go check out the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, As well as that, big thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. All right. Anyway, just... Again, before uh, we get on with the chat, if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten track, then when you get to the end of this delightful chat with Hamish, um, go check out the back catalogue. Because um, if you like uh, incredible Scottish musicians, listen to my chats with... Oh, uh, I've, I've spoke to members of Primal Scream. Um, who else have I had on? Uh, Charlene Spateri of Texas. Carl of the View, um, both Fran and Dougie of Travis. Um, who else? I'm sure there's some more, and they're a wonderful chat. So um, yeah, if uh, if Scots musicians are what you're after, and also one of the most important people in music, um, Alan McGee. Go and check out my episode of Alan McGee. That's a great chat. And aside from that, um, Fatboy Slim, uh, Motley Crew, Foo Fighters. Suede, idol, sleaford mods. Oh, the list is endless. Go have a go have a good old rummage and see it. Deftones. Um and yeah, producers like Butch Vig, comedians, Jade Adams, Maisie Adam, James Acaster, Ed Gamble, they've got a podcast. That's meant to be all right, you know. Um and uh yeah actors maxine peak joe hartley thomas turgoose michael smiley amanda abington um i've been so lucky to have had these these chats about the thing i'm most passionate about which is music i get to chat about their lives and, and and the records that have been really important in it and you're about to get some of that now please enjoy off the beat and track podcast with the wonderful hamish hawk Sorry, I've interrupted the podcast, but with good reason. Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors. You know that now because I tell you about it every episode. But they've been super kind now. And you may have heard me talking about the products from the cacao bar and there's gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um, And what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to. And all you've got to do is just for you off the beaten track listeners... Go over there, answer a question, and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolatcom dot com forward slash otbt podcast. That's otbt, as in off the beaten track podcast. hotelchocolatcom dot com forward slash otbt podcast. Go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat. I'll get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hold, hold this. Let, let me press record. Let's get
0: this on, let's get this on the thing. I'm going to press record if that's cool with you. It's just one of those things, it's just one of those things, I was asking myself, you know, how cool do I really want to come across, and at the end I was like, you know what, no, not cool at all, I will just go, like, fully, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, 100% genuine, these choices, so there you go.
3: Honesty's the best policy, um, uh, and Hamish, thanks loads for uh, doing this today, I really appreciate it, um, and it's so true, I mean, when you get to that, I mean, we'll get onto it later, like, um you know, the first record you bought, nobody was buying pill sessions <laughs> like when they were seven years yeah. old. It wasn't happening. No. And uh, I think it was the second ever episode I'd done, or second or third, I had um, Russell from Block Party on. And he chose some absolutely horrific records. <laughs> and I just thought, this is amazing. Yeah. This is setting the benchmark. Russell's the guitarist in Block Party. He's, you know, he's a cool guy. And. And he was just completely honest. And I was like, that's what I want from this podcast. I don't want people coming on going, oh, yeah, yeah, I was listening to that when I was nine. Oh, no, yeah. you
0: wasn't. oh Well, thank goodness. I'm glad that benchmark has been set because that was the thing. Though I must say I, it's a difficult thing for me Like, because I, right, so I'm quite, uh, I like lists. I like making lists. I always have since I was a kid. And I think, uh, you know, my brother always says to me that as a child, I was very curious and I was always asking him what is, what his favourite something was. I think there was something about that word, favourite, that I just liked, that like the number one, you know, the kind of high fidelity, top five, I really thought that defined people and I got really, really into asking people that. But then as I grew older, I realised people don't have those exactly and they're certainly not like static, you know. Um, but the doing Hamish, this...
3: Hamish, you, you, you need to come on my other podcast. Oh, please, please. So my other, my other podcast is called Hardcore Listing and that's my <laughs> longest running okay. podcast. And that is purely based on high fidelity and my obsession with lists where you pick a subject whether it be sandwiches b-sides whatever and then you have to do the definitive top five you're a man
0: after my own heart right it's a day i'm there i'm there
3: (laughs) (laughs) but nobody was choosing music on it that was the thing so i had to set this one up alongside it so i could be a a, a, the the music nerd that i am Uh, um well We always like to start things uh, with track one, and I'm going to ask you, please, uh, Hamish, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Well, this
0: one one took me a little while, but then as soon as this song came to mind, it was like, oh, it's absolutely unquestionable, for me anyway. And it's uh, All Along the Watchtower by the Jimi Hendrix Experience. Um, You know that song from a million miles away as soon as you hear that introduction, and it's just, I mean... It's pure magic, that intro, and that song generally. And to be quite frank, the career of Jimi Hendrix is a bit like that. Um, Yeah. I would say Jimi Hendrix was the first musical icon that I was, I think I was an obsessive about. It's a bit, I find it's, um, Jimi Hendrix, well, for me anyway, was like, you know, when you, you know, maybe when you're sort of 15, 16 and you want to appear quite highbrow and you maybe get into art or something. And people have (laughs) like Salvador Dali on the walls, you know, that kind of thing. I think Jimi Hendrix was that, you know, like, oh, I'm into music. Oh yeah, well, do you like Jimi Hendrix? You know, like, have you heard this song called (laughs) Purple Haze? Yeah, that's pretty cool, pretty niche, right? Um, So Jimi Hendrix was the first icon that I was truly obsessed with, but it came with a price because, and I remember so vividly, it got to the point where I would told so many. Many people that I was obsessed with Jimi Hendrix and that he was the greatest and all of this stuff and then every birthday and Christmas everything was Jimi Hendrix. i like, had like, biographies <laughs> you know and i was i was still quite young and i didn't have a, a, that much time to be like dealing with these like numerous hardback biographies of Jimi Hendrix. and yeah. posters absolutely covered and there isn't that much material to dig into you know yeah of course <laughs> so, so in the end it kind of i think i oversaturated it very early on um but that intro is just unquestionable um it's just yeah as i say it's just magic like I don't um, I couldn't think There were a few contenders On my, on my Oh go on well, y- y- You're allowed Honourable mentions There was I, I really like the beginning of um, Born to Run By Bruce Springsteen And it has a similar oh. thing It hits you Like a ton of bricks You know It just comes at you Like a runaway train And uh, it couldn't be Any other song um, But that, that intro of uh, um, All Along the Watchtower And it has that You know It has that sort of I don't know yeah. what it is that gets struck but it's a uh, very yeah. very and obviously the um just the you know the music the the um the the musicianship behind everything that Jimi Hendrix experience did you know like Mitch Mitchell on the drums and stuff is just um unparalleled really so um yeah as soon as I as soon as I thought of that I was like got it first one down yeah wonderful. I mean Jimmy
3: Hendrix has been uh, Watchtower hasn't been chosen. Uh, I think Voodoo Child's been chosen mm-hmm. twice. Yeah. Um, that is a good, oh yeah, one as well. really good. Yeah. Uh, but he, he was no stranger to a good. I mean, Foxy Lady. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, Crossed Hand traffic, traffic. What an intro! Yeah, is. And there's um, uh, Highway Child. That's got a good one. Yeah. And even Little Wing. That's got a nice. Yeah. And I remember a friend of mine at school. So yeah, so high school friend of mine, uh, Josh. He was saying, we were talking, we were waxing lyrical about Jimi Hendrix as we, you know, at the age of 14, as if we were like aficionados and the only ones who had ever heard (laughs) of Jimi Hendrix. And he said, I remember him saying it in Geography, he said that uh, the first lyrics of Little Wing. He thought were the coolest lyrics of the the of any song, the coolest first lyrics of any song, which is okay, "Well, yeah. she's walking," and I was like, "Oh yeah, that is, quite cool. <laughs> you know, well, she's walking." <laughs> you know, and I thought, Perfect. yeah, just very suave, you know. Um, but I also my uh, my sister uh, back when I was yet yeah, that kind of age, 15, 16, she was going out with a guy who was a really, really good guitarist. And I, you know, to try and appear cool in front of him, I was trying to get him into talking about Jimi Hendrix. And I was talking about Voodoo Child. And I think I was doing an impression of the, the wah-wah sound of the guitar. And I was doing... How did that oh, work I, out I, for I, you? Really not well. Not well at all. And in fact, I, oh, it just got worse and worse. Because I said, I said, i um, you know, wow, wow. And it, was, it doesn't go wow; it goes wow. You know, I was saying, I was, I was so yeah, specific because I, I thought I was quite good at mimicking this uh, electric yeah. guitar. But he said it goes wow, not wow. I said, okay, fine. And then I think uh, this was when I was learning <laughs> to play the guitar as well. And he said, and I said, oh, I remember he had this cool, um, this little electric guitar, which ended up being my first electric guitar, and he sort of gifted it to me. And I remember it had been in his, you know, student flat and it was, you know, like fag ash all over it and all that kind of stuff. And I said, oh, it was terrible. I said, how do you, um, how do you clean the guitar? And he said... I don't clean my guitar. <laughs> I like, oh no, now I'm this kid who doesn't who can't impersonate a Wawa pedal who polishes his guitar all the time. Like, terrible. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so that was that's the journey of Jimi Hendrix's experience, uh, the Jimi Hendrix experience and Wonderful. me. But uh, yeah, there you go.
3: Wonderful. <laughs> well we're gonna to start to go back a little bit, um... And for track two, I'm going to ask you, please, tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an
0: emotional impact on you. Yeah, uh, this one, well, the first song that came to mind and I decided to just uh, stick with the first one um, was Father and Son by Cat Stevens. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I grew up in quite a musical household um, in as much as there was a lot of music. You know, my parents were big music fans uh, as was my brother and as was my sister. Um, no one in the family was particularly musical in terms of playing instruments around the house. and um, That wasn't a big thing in my family. But my my dad was into the stones and the animals and Bob Dylan and all of the, yeah, I would say the sort of classic 60s and 70s Rock and roll. Well, not rock and roll, but rock mm-hmm. bands, you know, um, yeah. Eric Burden and, and all that. And my mum, well, my, my sister was into Britpop. She was that age. So it was all Oasis, Blur, Pulp, um, along with some other bits and bobs. Uh, my brother, sort of uh, skater punk. So kind of like um, less than Jake and Pennywise and yeah, uh, sort of Tony Hawk's pro skater soundtrack kind yeah. of stuff. And, um, and my mum was into folky singer-songwriters. So it was all James Taylor, Ralph McTell, Cat Stevens, Leonard Cohen, um, and even, you know, things like, like Chris Christophers and John Denver and that sort of thing.
3: That's a lovely hybrid of music yeah, to be exposed well, to.
0: This is what I was going to say. Is I, yeah, That felt very ordinary to me at the time. But now when I look back on it, And now when I talk to my parents about it, it's actually quite eclectic. You know, as a, as a, you know, as me, I was the sort of blank slate on which all of that was put. Mm. And um, yeah, it really is quite sort of multifaceted, I suppose. Um, But I really, I think it was, it was my mum's music taste. So it was all these, I suppose, singer songwriters, lyricists. It was all these Hmm. people who could tell stories in songs. But every so often there was a crossover. And I remember Tea for the Tiller Man by Cat Stevens a lot when I was growing up. I remember thinking, uh, where do the children play the track, uh, track one, that I thought his voice was incredible and got really, really low and nice. And I still know that album so, so well and still get real pangs of nostalgia whenever I listen to it. Um, But Father and Son... I To this day, it remains true, I get very emotional when it comes to songs written either by kids about their parents or from parents, you know, from the perspective of parents about their kids. And there was something about father and son. It's actually, I mean, whenever I listen to it now... I'm dumbfounded. It's very, it's so cleverly done because it appears effortless, but it's this kind of, um, he was, you know, Cat Stevens was still young when he wrote it and he was trying to write from the perspective of an older father to his son. And it comes across as incredibly worldly wise, in my mind anyway. And um, yeah, it still really touches me. And when I, when I was at, uh, well, primary school and sort of early high school. When if I would ever come home slightly down about something, whenever it, you know whether if something was too, it was all too much, or something had gone wrong with a friend of mine, or like a bully, or something like that, my dad would had a habit of taking me out for a a drive or for like a run in the car just like, you know, for 15 minutes around the block or whatever. And I always think about the lyric from "Kooks" uh, by David Bowie on Hunky Dory, where he says, and if the homework brings you down, then we'll throw it on the fire and take the car downtown, right? And that that's kind oh, of what it was. And I, oddly enough, I remember listening to that song in the car on those evenings. Um, oh, but Father and Son, I... Yeah, it always, even then, I I thought it was a very clever song, but it really, it wasn't overtly clever and it wasn't trying to do anything fancy. It was actually really, really simple, but the melody is also beautiful and it's got lovely sort of ebbs and flows. And, um, yeah, I remember being really affected by that even when I was young. And, you know, as much as, you know, my dad also liked uh Leonard Cohen and I I you know would sort of get further into that later in life I actually nothing quite spoke to me as 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 much as something like Cat Stevens that was quite plain speaking early on you know yeah
3: just making me think about songs from like parents to children and and I'm going to give you a couple that if you haven't Mm. heard do tell me if you have heard them that um that will that will break you in half
0: um (laughs) have you heard Brickbat by billy Bragg? no i don't no right i'm right i'm writing it it down immediately Uh, hopefully hopefully fans listening won't judge and say for god's sake (laughs) (laughs) no it was it
3: was a latter bit of billy it's not kind of you know premium era billy i guess um there's a beautiful line in there about how he used to want to plant bombs at the last night of the proms, and now you're finding me the baby <laughs> with the big shell at the bath time, listening for the sound of the sea. It's really oh, lovely. Right. Um, uh, and there's another one called Still Fighting It
0: by Ben Folds. Oh, no, I don't know that, but I do like Ben Folds. Still, wait, oh. Still still Fighting It? What? Do, you don't yeah. know what album that's on, do you? Uh, this,
3: uh, one with um, uh, Suburbs. Uh, um that first solo album, Ooh, I think. am
0: still fighting it. Right, I've written those both down. Excellent. Yeah,
3: it weren't Ben Folds 5, it was Ben Folds. I was going say, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, oh, that's a beauty, that right, is. Okay, cool, thank, thank you very much, great. Enjoy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, oddly, oddly enough, doing this, uh, compiling this list, you know, because actually, oddly enough, there's a, well, in some of the choices or the some the potential choices I had, there was actually something of a theme forming. Uh, there were variations on that particular theme. So, well, oh, really? yeah, so maybe it's, uh, maybe it's time for me to really go um, knee deep in that and, uh, I don't know, make a list or a playlist or something, you know. Oh. Yeah. yeah.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring.
2: Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Incredible. There we go. Right. Cool. So, for track three, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school. Okay,
0: so there were a few, there were a few competitors for this one. Okay. Well, out. but I'm gonna pick one, right? So, I, from the age of about fourteen, I was going to gigs locally. Pretty much every weekend. In, in Edinburgh? Edinburgh, yeah. And uh, shout out to my friend Peggy. Hi, Peggy. Um, if you're listening, I would meet Peggy and I, uh, along with her older brother would go to gigs all the time. He was a huge music fan and we were sort of uh through him indirectly and we would go to the gigs so frequently. I remember back then it was all right if you were that age to bring along to the door of the gig a photocopy of your passport because you could say mm. to the bouncer I am but a child. My mum doesn't want me out with a valuable document like a passport, so I have this photocopy. And so what we, but it was also, we were also of the generation where we were like, maybe we can do something here. So we moved on like Photoshop or like Microsoft Paint or whatever it was, moved uh, numbers from like the passport number into the, Date of the date of birth. So we were a couple of years older because, under you know, if you're under 14, you couldn't get in without an adult Mm -hmm. or something. So between the ages of 14 and 16, we would do that. And then after we were 16, we could start going on our own, right? But this was in Edinburgh and in Glasgow. So from that period of time, there's a huge number of songs and a huge number of bands, a lot of whom have completely disappeared into the ether, but uh, a lot of bands. But there's one song in particular, which is actually slightly later, so it's like maybe when I was about 70, 16, 17, that I just associate with school altogether, which is The Modern Leper by Frightened Rabbit. Um, I just, I've said before, in fact, that album, if you were sort of sixteen, seventeen, in 2008 or whenever it was... That was the album there was a there was a yeah. band they were frightened rabbit there was an album, and it was the midnight organ fight and it was just it was like a i don't i can't even describe it it was like an explosion onto the scene and it was played yeah. at parties, huge sing alongs particularly of young guys right. as as you can imagine, screaming at the top of their lungs every lyric and it was also you know as much as there were You know, a lot of bands I was into had a sort of lyrical focus in some sense. Frightened Rabbit was the first that was delivered in a purely Scots brogue um, and had this slightly adolescent um, relevance, I think. It was a lot about, you know, getting drunk and the sort of violence of, like, early romantic relationships, that kind of, like, onslaught of... Lust and hormones and it all just you know you didn't know how to control it and we were all living that experience you know at the yeah. time and we were all you know we're all underage and drunk at these parties and um I've just remembered yeah I remember the lyrics being um yeah the the first lyric of that song is a cripple walks amongst you all you tired human beings and delivered in this as I say it was from uh, Selkirk if I'm not mistaken so it's really this this particular accent that I'd never heard in music before and I just remember thinking oh my god this is this is for us this is about us and we the the music was the song was ours and it just you know as I say I'd been into lots of bands say you know like Scottish bands in particular whether it was you know Franz Ferdinand someone like that it's like they they happened to be Scottish but their songs weren't Scottish by definition. They they were far, you know, wider than that. Frightened Rabbit, although never parochial in any sense, really felt local. And uh, then the references just expanded throughout the album, obviously, to places that we knew and um, situations that we recognised and talked about Kayleigh dancing and all that stuff. And it that was just, yeah, that was really, really something. And to this day, I... I need to pay homage um, to *Frightened Rabbit* and to Scott Hutchison, or um, well, to the memory of Scott Hutchison, because it, without that album, I, it was it was just absolutely fundamental to me wanting to become a songwriter. It was absolutely fundamental, and um, I covered I covered songs from that record in some of my first ever performances, and I still, whenever I listen to it, I just as I say, I know every corner of it, and uh, and yeah. everyone my age. In, the, in this part of the country did and uh yeah, yeah that's that 's nothing to be sniffed at, you know so um, incredible band. Yeah, absolutely incredible really band. are
3: it 's really interesting that you say that you know it, it felt you know good to hear somebody singing how you was talking about I mentioned Billy bragg yeah. earlier uh, that 's very much how I felt when I heard Billy bragg sing yeah. but um, but i watched a documentary that was on on BBC maybe sort of two three years ago about Scottish music. Mm. I don't know if you saw it. I don't think so. And and they sort of talked about the kind of boom in the late eighties of Wet Wet mm-hmm. Wet, Deacon mm-hmm. Blue, uh, Hugh and Cryon, and, and all of them Texas and these bands yeah. and kind. Of, they were all huge yeah. huge bands, but didn't necessarily yeah. sing with Scottish no. accents. No. Then they threw the Proclaimers in the mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And was like, yeah. But then this comes yeah. along, and yeah, i I don't know if you watched the because not long after that on BBC they put the uh, the Proclaimers
0: documentary on, which was a masterpiece. I haven't seen it, um, but I have heard phenomenal things about that documentary. Lots of people say about that, and the Proclaimers. I mean, the Proclaimers. I mean, I'm from Edinburgh. I mean, goodness, um, you live and breathe the Proclaimers. Um, but they're they're so underrated. <laughs> it's unbelievable, and uh, you know yeah. they're defined by 500 miles and so on. The 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 breadth of their yeah, the repertoire is really something. And uh, this, uh, yeah. the social commentary as well is... Um, Bang on! <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's so sharp and uh, wonderfully yeah. observed. I, yeah, I've got a real, real soft spot for the Proclaimers.
3: So do you know how they kind of made it? How they kind of got exposure? Who found them and how it got passed about? Oh, I don't think I do, but please tell me. I hope I get this right, but these two characters were definitely key to it. Kevin Rowland of Dexys heard it, a right. demo, and was like, fuck, what is this? And I, I can't think what tracks were, I think Letter to America was on oh, it. Great song. And I can't think what other track was on it. Uh, and it, it blew Kevin Rowland's mind, and I believe he then recorded some of their first demos, right. and went, I need to get this band on the road, <laughs> who will get it? Sent it to Paul Heaton, right, yeah. who went, Her fuck! A bit fun. Right. Yeah we're taking these on tour with the House Martins, and then that was, oh that was where God. it went from there. Like, I mean, if you've got Kevin Rowland and Paul Heaton shouting in your yeah. corner,
0: you're going to do yeah, all right. I, totally. Yeah, I knew Paul Heaton was a fan. <laughs> oh, Kevin Rowland, I didn't know about that. Yeah, apparently so, so, apparently so. I love it because they're just, they just don't fit in any box at all. They don't fit in any pigeonhole yeah. that you want to put them in, and I massively rate them for that reason, you know? <laughs> and actually, oddly <laughs> enough, it's something that... Um, you no, I don't want to generalise too much, but it's something that I've heard said of quite a few Edinburgh bands in particular. It's just sort of, oh, you know, it spans quite a few genres and we don't exactly know how to describe it, how to sell it, who's going to like it, you know. And um, mm. Edinburgh feels, as a music scene anyway, something of an outlier in Scotland because, and I would say in the UK generally, is that Glasgow is the, is the hub. You know, if you're a Glasgow mm. band, that's already a thing. You know, it's like you can, whether it's Glasgow art school bands or punk bands or whatever it might be, you can, there are those touchstones already. You can go, oh, yeah, that's they're with them, you know. It's like, oh well, course, okay, yeah. Glasgow Art School. All right, so it's sort of um, orange juice, or like a bit later, like Bell and mm-hmm. Sebastian, Cameron Obscura, like whatever it might be. But Edinburgh doesn't <laughs> doesn't have that. People go, where where are these guys from? <laughs> you know, like, what is this? <laughs> and the Proclaimers, especially too, twit, to get a duo, you know, it's just yeah. yeah, and and truest songwriters. They're they're brilliant. Yeah,
3: no no image no, required. That, no yet, styling. Man. Like, so it's just massive respect. Shouting a pair of jeans. Yeah. And I, like, well,
0: I've, I, I, um, if you live in Edinburgh, you see the proclaimers about, or at least you see. Really? Oh, yeah. oh they're Yeah, totally. You see them walking around, or you see one of them walking around, and you always know, oh, proclaimer. There's a proclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> always, yeah. It's just they're one of the. Yeah, wow. there's a few. There's a few famous faces in Edinburgh, I would say. But yeah, a proclaimer. Mm. Yeah, it's like a, it's an Edinburgh bingo, you know.
3: <laughs> oh dear! Right. Well, um, before we get on to the next fact, let's, let's let's talk school. Was it something you enjoyed?
0: Yes, I did. I, I think that's embarrassing to say these days. Uh, I'm no, not
3: sure what I've I, I so.
0: did enjoy school. Um, I though it's funny. I, w- I think I was a kind of middling performer at school. I was like, you know, I always did all right in exams. I did my homework. Um, I I wasn't a SWAT, and I I, I thought that was, I mean, maybe, is that fair to say these days I wasn't a SWAT? I wasn't yeah, a teacher's pet, but, um, you know, (laughs) keeping that alive from school, you know, I wasn't one of them. Yeah, I wasn't in the front row, Um, but...
3: SWAT is massively
0: underused. Let's bring that back. Yeah, SWAT. (laughs) Um, No, so I wasn't a SWAT, but I wasn't an... uh, I, I I could you couldn't say I was an underachiever. I couldn't say that. Um but I really enjoyed An in, in betweener. Between yeah. And when and but I loved all of my memories from school are all of my pals. And it was all it was all the things that happened after school, or the the conversations in class, or the walks between class, or, you know, things that happened at break or lunch or you know, even in, you know, the last couple of years of school, like, oh, what thing's going on in the common room? You know, it was always about socialising um, and and having fun. And not, you know, I think there's um quite a few people who know what I'm talking about. It's that there were the class clowns who teachers kind of actually didn't like. They were like, these people are annoying and they're sort of vying for attention all the time. But then there were people that, probably you know they could be called class clowns but the teachers had a bit of a twinkle in their eye for them you know okay he's a bit of a thorn in my side but go, he's all right i think i think i was definitely that and i um, i definitely got other people in trouble i remember um (laughs) i was sitting beside a friend of mine and i was talking i was clearly the one talking and then the teacher shouted at her, sort of, oh, you know, well, for, for goodness sake, can, can you stop talking over it? You're so arrogant. <laughs> it was so clearly me. But I got nothing, nothing happened to me. So I was a bit...
3: Obviously, you was a gentleman and put your hand up and said, actually, it was oh, me, yes. or did you just throw under oh, the yeah, bus? I
0: wish I could say I did that, but of course I didn't do that. <laughs> I mean, God, that would be insane. So, um, yeah, so I was, uh, yeah, wasn't exactly a class clown, but I was definitely... Uh, yeah, I, well, a joker, I suppose. Chancer, maybe not a chancer. I didn't get in too much trouble, but it, you were you confident? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh,
3: did you like attention?
0: Yeah, I, though, though I feel that school. I was a bit. Um, I was. Um, I was. Come. It would be later that I came into my own. I, I, I think I sort of. I was confident, but. Yeah, I, I, it was maybe when I was about 17 or, yes, last couple of years of school, I was finally like, I know who I am, this is what it is, and yeah, by the end, it was walking around the common room, I was able, I was a bit of a social butterfly, I was able to be in lots of different groups, and uh, over time, I think, yeah, I'd I developed lots of, a, a sort of wide social circle, Um Yeah. I never like excluded people or anything, you know, I just, I just wanted all the friends I could get. And um, yeah, yeah, so that's, but yeah, school for me was very much about um, the, the social life of school. Um, But I did, yeah, I studied, I mean, I really enjoyed English. I, I was really fortunate. I was fortunate enough to have lots of teachers. I liked really, really good teachers and I think that's half the battle with school. You know, I mean, if you have good teachers, they can inspire you for the rest of your life. People don't forget teachers. People still talk about them when they're, you know, thirty, forty, fifty. You know, like they always oh yeah, I remember Mrs. Blah or I remember Miss So and so or Mr blah, blah blah, and he said this and whatever, and he got me into this. You know, that that's um yeah, you can't beat that. And I, I had so yeah. many great teachers. I had a wonderful set of English teachers, um, I did German, I really, really enjoyed uh, languages, so I did German, really enjoyed that, and I did drama, um, and that was... We had a great drama department in the school, and, um, yeah, so I I feel very fortunate for my school experience, um, and I carry it with me, I think, to this day, really. Did you know what you wanted to be when you was at school? No, I think I knew, you know, I I think I was... uh, I was a bit of a jack of all trades. I think I wanted, it was more about, well, well, you know, if I'm good at this, maybe I could do that. Or like, you know, I went to university to do, to do German. And then as soon as I arrived, kind of switched instantly because I'd found something else I liked. But then once I started studying that, I was busy doing recreational stuff, all the extracurricular music stuff. And that's when I started writing songs proper and performing. and, and, I always knew that I wanted to do something on a stage. I really, really liked performing and felt that was kind of a necessity for moving forward and um, moving toward what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. That was where my, that was the direction of my ambition really, even at school. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I, as I say, like, because I enjoyed the social part of school, I generally liked being in class because it was just like, Oh, who who yeah. am I sitting next to in this class again? Oh yeah. Okay. okay. So, um, yeah, I didn't know exactly, but as I say, it sort of fell into place, and yeah, it was like, oh yeah, this is definitely what I'm meant to be, you know. So, for track four, yes,
3: I'd like you to tell me the first song you remember buying, whether that's a cassette, a
0: CD, uh, or, or whatever format yes. it was from a record Well, store. so the I my. Uh, My motivation behind this, the answer to this question, was that I remember, you know, we were talking earlier, people always have these really cool albums that they bought as their first album, and weirdly enough, I do actually, I think I have a good, I bought three albums on the same day, and I I remember, so these are the ones I've given you, but, because I'll explain that in a second, but... um, I bought three albums on the same day. I was with my parents. We went down to visit family, friends down south. And I bought three albums. And they were the first albums that I chose. I bought them with my own money. It was purely of my own volition. And I know that I was sort of... I I think even then I was trying to buy the right things. So... So it's kind of like I had that in mind as I was buying them. The sort of, okay, well, what what CDs am I going to look like I'm going to be into? And I bought three. I bought one, which was Franz Ferdinand's self-titled debut album. I bought AHA Shake Heartbreak by Kings of Leon, because my brother had played uh, four kicks from that album to me, and I thought that was great. And I bought Up the Bracket by The Libertines, because I'd heard time for heroes which is right mm-hmm. in the middle of that album and uh so those were the first three albums i bought for myself
3: i mean you've ticked it's three cool boxes I there mean, right good, isn't
0: it? it is quite good yeah i mean and also i remember being given a similar at a similar time uh, elephant by the white stripes my brother bought me that as a cd so right. I, those are four pretty good ones but the, your question was song which song do you remember buying Hmm. And I have two. So the first ever, uh, the first ever gig I went to really was an in-store gig in FOP on Rose Street in Edinburgh. And it was by Sons and Daughters, the Glasgow band Sons and Daughters, who yes. I still love. Um, I yeah. still, once again, huge pangs of nostalgia when I listened to their what first couple of albums. Um, yeah. And I was front row, right there, you know. And I was learning how to be at gigs, which was, you know, when they drop the plank drum, pick it up. <laughs> you know, like, you know <laughs> yeah. When they, you know, when they walk away and they have the sheet of paper there with the songs on it pick it up. <laughs> you know? <And> when, <laughs> when you go over to them, take that piece of paper and put it in front of them and say, sign it. You know? so, um, yeah. yeah, they were they had just, I think they were releasing their second album, The Repulsion Box and they were playing a series of in-stores and uh, I bought their single from that, which is called Dance Me In which uh, was the I, that's the first CD single I bought. As that has that got a cover of A Killer on the flip side? What, well, on the single, on the
3: album? On, on the CD, single. I think
0: there's a, it's like a, if I remember it correctly, it's like block white letters, Sons and Daughters, all caps. Yeah. And then Repulsion yep. Box, block red letters, all caps. Yeah. And then there's a kind of, maybe I haven't looked too closely at it, 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 it like a, a, a lady's arm with some flowers and a, a mesh man. of hair and yeah something like that.
1: i'm
3: i'm <laughs> it sure could, could like, be. i mean it could be i'm sure i have that and i'm sure that the track two is a cover of adamski's killer i might be wrong <sighs> but i'm sure i'm right well yeah. well there you go i mean i mean again like you're just repping cool that, I mean, here. that's
0: good well okay well so that but so that was the cd single the one mm-hmm. after that, which was the first ever seven inch vinyl I ever bought, mm-hmm. which was 99p, I remember that. Yeah. Avalanche Records, Coburn Street, Edinburgh. Paolo Nutini was doing an in store, and I had never heard of him because this was his first, either his first single or his second single. And uh, you were on the cusp of the big time, but it wasn't really until like the next record where it was really mad. After mm. like "Jenny, Don't Be Hasty" and all that, it was like "Sunny Side Up." Mm. Those were the big ones, "Candy" and stuff. Um, but went to the the in store and Peggy once again. Hi, Peggy. She said, "There's this guy playing uh, at Avalanche. Do you want to come?" I said, "Absolutely." Went and it was just wall to wall early teenage girls and and me. <laughs> And, and he played, and he was really good, to be fair. It was really, really good. And obviously, yes. I didn't, you know, he just had these singles at the time. So I bought the single, I was 99p, fine. Queued up, got it signed. Well, got queuing up to get it signed. And I remember, if you're listening, Paolo, um, he said, he started writing, he said, oh, what's your name? I said, oh, Hamish. And he, and he wrote that. And then he started writing Love. L-O. And he wrote, Oh, you're a guy. <laughs> and then wrote to him, Low Down. <laughs> and then, Paolo Nuttini. <laughs> so, oh, <thank> yeah. <laughs> I was like, Come on. I was like, It's all right. I don't think you're in love with me. It's fine. Oh, oh, but, oh, so on. I still have that seven inch, which is it's yeah. a last request by Paolo Nuttini. Seven inch single, yeah. Low Down powell undertone so uh yeah Jesus i don't Christ. think I, weird actually and weird thing though because i i only thought about this a couple of years ago the b-side to that is the song sugar man by rodriguez a cover of that okay and you know that mm-hmm. documentary that's searching for sugar man that mm-hmm. was like you know 10 years after that so i thought but though i, I mean yeah i i don't know much about exact i've heard the things about that documentary and how actually it was far more known than that documentary makes out and so on but but that track
3: that track come to fruition probably around 2000 just the sugar man right okay um because i knew nothing else i mean obviously since watching that documentary cold facts up there was one of my favorite records um but um the Sugarman track was used by was it David Holmes on a David Holmes record he'd done like a kind of like a uh, (laughs) mixtape release and that track was on there So I used to play in the clubs then (laughs) uh, but I'd heard nothing else of him and I think maybe that track being on there was maybe what Got, ah okay, know, so may, the song was like, okay. The
0: song had done Sugarman was ones. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. But even then I so. did look at it and thought that's quite interesting. And it's a it's perfect for Paolo Nutini's voice as well. So really I because yeah. at the time didn't have a record player, so I bought it as a as a vehicle for the signature was yeah. what it was. And then it wasn't until yeah. years later that I actually played it. Um, so yeah. yeah, so that was first ever seven inch single. So um, yeah, man. those are the first songs Sons and Daughters of Nutini.
3: I mean, all very credible, Thank Hamish. You. All very Thank cool.
0: Thank you so
3: much. Thank you. <laughs> right. You told me, first of all, that you weren't in a clubbing. Because oh, for track yeah. five, I'd like to ask you the song that soundtrack yep. used clubbing. So I, I need to kind of point out that I, I always worry that people kind of can sometimes misconstrue this as, as shirt off, lost <laughs> summer in Ibiza, yeah. glow sticks. Yeah. Like, this can be... Going down the local indie club right. oh, uh, okay. and throwing yourself around the Liberty. Right, okay. So if that was clubbing. Okay.
0: <clears throat> well, okay. What,
3: what was what was your uh, what was your sort of social habits then when you got to sort of seventeen, eighteen when everyone yeah, was I mean, it, you know, was there local there must have yeah. been around that time, if like
0: Franz and and, yeah, and, and well, it right. must point. have been I mean, indie heaven. Yeah, I mean Franz is a very, very good is a very good show. Um yeah, I mean my social habits, it was parties, you know. I would um it was I had a friend of mine who had a basement in his in his house and we had a very sort of close circle of friends and we'd always go round to that basement um and do terrible things. Um <laughs> <laughs> But we used to go round to that basement and he had, you know, uh it wasn't that he had over you know, not particularly lenient uh parents or anything like that, but his dad was sort of up for us Safely using that space to go. Okay, well, if you're yeah. gonna, you know, that classic. If you're gonna drink, if you're gonna do that, I'd prefer you to do it here, um, which was great for us, you know. And it was, it was on another, it was on the other side of town from where I stayed. So it was the kind of place where I could easily, you know, like crash that night and things, and not worry about getting home yeah. and things. Franz Ferdinand is a very, very good one because songs like "Take Me Out." Uh, Dark of the Matinee, Michael. I mean, I remember Michael being one of the first uh, riffs I could ever play on the guitar. Um, That was huge. And those songs, yeah, we knew so, so well. And in fact, actually, I have to be honest and say, it's actually, despite having known their first album very, very well, that second lead single, uh, Do You, Do You Wanna? wanna? Yeah, Yeah, that was that was ridiculously huge <laughs> for like, yeah. for my group of friends generally. Um so yeah it was all it was well in fact yeah and that would always come on. It's it's difficult I must admit it's difficult not to bring in Mr Brightside by the Killers because it's tell me your, tell me your thoughts on that not the Killers that track on Mr Brightside. Yeah. Oh, okay is that is this a test are you no, no. Because I think it's great. I, I think it's yeah. I, I think it's. A, I mean, first of all, it's a it's a irrevocable classic now, and yeah. probably up there with the with probably, There's not many stone cold classics from that era. I can't think off the top of my head right now. A song even close to as big as that song really is. Um,
3: I, I would say from that era, the, the uh, other close runners would be taking it probably. Out. Yeah, yeah. Like, Maybe I bet right. you look good
0: in the dance floor by Arctic Monkeys. Yep. That's pretty big, and that was another one that was played at parties. Um, I remember actually. I remember going to see the Arctic Monkeys, and this is it, I I often rem- remind myself of this because it sounds so long ago. I remember going to see the Arctic Monkeys at a NME what was it? The enemy Shockwaves awards tour. Yeah. And, uh, they played all over the UK and it was a four, four band bill. It was started with the mystery jets.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: We him? are scientists. Then yeah. Arctic monkeys. And then Maximo park. And I remember Arctic mm-hmm. monkeys were third on the bill because now obviously they would be naturally the, the headline there. Um, mm-hmm. But they were third on the bill and they were just they were just reaching that MySpace fame level. But I they played in, in the Corn Exchange here in Edinburgh and it must have been either the week that single came out. Wow. Or the following week or something. And it was carnage. Absolute yeah. carnage, and I remember I was I was front row, and it's all these lads in tracksuits, you know, and it was just yeah, that was next level. I'd never, I mean, even then, I'd never seen because the thing was, I <laughs> my friend that I went with, she said you have to learn the words before you before we go, and <laughs> uh, I was. <laughs> I have to. You know, I was like, okay. And then <laughs> realised when I arrived, I was like, oh yeah, I totally have to because <laughs> you know, like, otherwise I would have looked like this lemon standing there, like, who's this guy? Who do not yeah. know the words. Um but yeah, so I would yeah, to go back to your question, yeah. Things like yeah, Franz Ferdinand, um Arctic monkeys. But yeah, killers, I mean that was and it remains to this day. It's the end of the night song, isn't it? It's the wedding, it's the wedding song. You know, it's like people play at the end of the night at weddings. It's, it's, it's... it's, it's they played it at the end of My Daughter's
3: Prom. Yeah, it's, 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 like
0: I mean, I I don't know what it is. I don't know. It's, it, it is it a great song. I really, I'm not going to dispute that. I actually think... It's a perfect it's pop a song. It's a perfect pop song. I really think... Song. And in fact, Hot Fuss generally <sighs> is yeah. really quite an achievement, I think, as far as early noughties indie rock goes it is it's your bread and butter really that that album I, I
3: just wish they wouldn't have just been the simps because I liked yeah. that little hybrid of I, I liked the Pet Shop Boys influence oh, yeah. and all of that it yeah, was yeah. like Oh, don't become Bruce Springsteen I know, like, I know. S- Stick with yeah, the pop they did, Because
0: it really They, they did go a bit heartland, didn't they I mean, but mm. that's, you know, that's them, isn't it In fact, that's yes. one of the things That I often think of when I think of Those bands that I was going to see Whether they were You know, there was all You know, like like The Kooks, or uh, Hard Fi, or like The Automatic, and all that Kind of stuff, all that so,
3: I think they call it landfill indie now.
0: I'm glad you said it, but because that's the thing.
3: Actually, it was written all over I, your no, face I'm that no, word. About,
0: but that's that's the thing. Okay, so I've, I'm sure, and quite rightly, quite rightly, all of those bands, the members of those bands, are going. Oh, you know the bloody cheek. You know, like we're not landfill. Blah blah. I don't even mean that in a in a derogatory way. No, it's, I it's have, a press yeah, term, isn't it's it? It's a press term. It's an NME word. I get it. Yeah. But I still hold a lot of those uh, bands uh, close to my heart. And in fact, Completely. I actually made um, a playlist not too long ago uh, for a friend of mine because he made one similar that was the sort of, the cream of the landfill there were that was always yeah. like, what would we put these in landfill and it know they're too good? you know it was almost like, yeah. the future heads had a couple of songs like that it was too good to be landfill, Maximo Park had a couple the the oh. zutons you know it was there was too there were there was a lot of shit, but there was a yep. lot of good stuff as well, and um What's it called pressure point? pressure put point by All the right. Zootons, yeah. Fuck, so I mean, good! That, it's a such cracking. It's such tune a good days, riff. Man. I mean, it's so good. They yeah. are currently, I hear, re- recording an album at the moment. Uh, the Zootons, in Abbey Road with Niall Rogers as the producer, <laughs> which so I'm quite excited about that. Um,
3: I'm sure Dave McCabe can't be uh, struggling with the mortgage. Well, no, I don't I think, think so. Uh, <laughs> well,
0: yeah, I think I think ever since Valerie came over, I think he's fine. Hundred yeah.
3: percent. I had I had Dave Kenning of The Killers on the podcast really I did you uh, and and I was like right I'm going to ask you what the greatest ever intro is are you because he wrote Mr. Brightside intro and I was like are oh, you going to pick your own intro? Up. He went. That's oh, all right, Eddie. I was like, oh, "Come yeah, on, man!" He, you, oh,
0: like, he, he had he had lunch <laughs> just to say. just hundred percent. I would have been dining out on it all day oh, long. Wow! Oh, that's great. Oh goodness! But there was, oh, there, as I say, there was a lot of um, yeah. The uh, yeah, what I was going to say was one thing that I that when I was making this landfill quote unquote landfill uh, playlist. They had to there was there were some criteria that the songs had to make uh, I'm and this. and I tell you why well first of all it's far too accomplished and far too good and far too popular to ever be considered landfill, but there is a crucial reason why uh, the killers couldn 't be there, and it 's because they 're american and landfill ah. is as far as i 'm concerned is a british genre it is uh mm. it's lads you know it 's like a <laughs> Not lads in the oasis sense. I was. Uh, I know what you mean. Kind of, it, is, it was more scally yeah, thing, wasn't it? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Boys. So, the ordinary boys. You know, like boys. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yep. uh, yeah, usually just your kind of classic setup guitar, bass, drums, vocal. Maybe a, maybe a spicy keys in there. But then that's when you start okay. moving towards more of a like, like keen. You know, like it's a different, it's a different vibe altogether. It's
3: it's, it's all, it's all the Kaisers, King, Killers, Kasabian, Kaisers, King, Leon kooks See, see, Uh, this is
0: the thing. Once bands get to a certain height, you know, whether it's Kasabian, whether it's Kaiser Chiefs, you start, you can't. I mean, landfill doesn't seem to work anymore. It's sort of like a moot point, and that's why I think even Maximo Park actually, it's like,
2: you know, they
0: they transcended the landfill. They left, and uh, they left the landfill. Floating in the estuary. Here yeah, they left.
1: Yeah.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah. Right.
3: I'm going to take you home. Okay. Favourite song from an artist from your home county. Right.
0: So I, So, as we've already
3: discussed... And I, I refrained from talking about
0: this band when you spoke about people singing in their own Yes, well, I because, understandably. Oh. So I, as as I say, as we've already discussed, Edinburgh can be quite a limiting. um if I were to sort of or or even the sort um i'd be hard pressed to find you know i'd be able to tell you my favorite song, of it of be of of quite a small bunch of small of of this song actually kind of uh, came to me as a bit of a surprise, but I listened to it again uh, when, when you'd posed the question. And uh, I loved it. I, make, I make oh, it good. It, It's so good. And um, I don't think I've ever really spoken about it with people before. But um, the song is It's My Own Cheating Heart That Makes Me Cry by Glass Vegas. I. <laughs> I adore Las Vegas, particularly that uh, debut, that eponymous debut album. Um, I think it's bloody brilliant. And um,
3: You're in good company, Hamish, you're in very oh, good, good, good company.
0: I'm so glad to hear that. I, it's odd, a few people have said to me, sort of musical uh, pals of mine, have said to me, I can't believe you like that album, right? which I really, you know, there's some bands and some albums I can perfectly understand why they would say that to me. But with Glass Vegas, I'm like, why would you say that? You know, why? It's got, you know, it's this sort of doo-wop vocal that, you know, influenced, you know, with all the wa ohs and the wo woes of the Supremes and the Ronettes and the Shangri-Las against this kind of Jesus and Mary chain guitars Which I mean, oh, it's just (laughs) bliss, with the most incredible lyrical chops and this vocal that's just like, well, it's just unstoppable, and the honestly the poetry of James Allen's, uh, I, uh, I just I I love it, and I yeah, so I went to see Glass Vegas, um. And speaking of, and this is kind of where that variations uh, on a theme I was talking about earlier comes in. I went to see Las Vegas with my brother and my dad, and I, you know, I didn't go and see go to gigs with my dad uh, a lot at the time or anything. They were playing Cabaret Voltaire in Edinburgh, it was a very, very small brick um, club, really, really one of the smallest. Um, and this was right when they were burgeoning, right when Las Vegas were really the. You know, because the NME, I remember, really thought, oh, this is the thing. You know, like they're the hot ones at the moment, you know, and they were on the cover and you could tell that they thought, right, this is going to be the star of something massive. And so all the press were behind them. And we went to that gig and we were just crammed in this tiny little brick sweat box. And I remember thinking it was so great because we were right up to the monitors. And instead of all the lights being on the stage, there were big lamps turned on the audience, shining into the audience, bright red lamps and smoke. And then, you know, the the guitarist comes on and just, just distortion, just into the monitors. There's already like, you know, all kinds of frequencies going on. And um then yeah. and, and James Allen comes on, bottle the Buckfast and just like hands it down into the crowd. And I remember my dad standing there. And it's absolutely... Deafening, <laughs> it was really, really loud. And my dad standing there like a statue, like that, like standing straight up there, but absolutely beaming. You know, like beaming, just thrilled to be there. And I remember buying a seven-inch of Flowers and Football Tops, uh, and Daddy's gone at that at that kick. And I still, that's one of the best kicks I've ever seen, just in terms of the energy in the room. It's one of those completely intangible things. But that, yeah, in particular, it's my own cheating heart that makes me cry. Oh, I can just weep at that song. I mean I think, you know, I heard I don't want to go on go off on too much of a tangent here, but I watched an interview with Frank Zappa once, and he said in it to the interviewer, the the interviewer had asked him about, you know, what like what the state of rock and roll or something or the state of rock music. And he said, I don't make rock music. My music is nothing to do with rock and roll. It just happens to be consumed by a rock and roll audience. And I thought, oh, that's such an astute observation, I thought at the time. And I think Las Vegas, particularly with that NME hype uh, surrounding them at the time, I think there was this, you know, people thought they were for people who were into Oasis, the charlatans, the kind of, you know, like that sort of 90s, and of course lots of those people do listen to Glass Vegas. But there's this other side to the band that's so much more and I don't want to, you know, speak ill of those brick-pop bands, but it's so much more poetical and so much more em- emotional and so much more vulnerable. vulnerable. It's oh and like and the topics that he deals with. And it's incredible that James Allen's able to sort of separate himself from the subject matter and yet You know, because it's not often clear whether it's most of the time. In fact, you can tell it's not him he's singing about. It's not autobiographical. But he manages to implant himself right into the centre of the the subject at hand and just squeeze all the emotion out of it and make it so real. And so there was that gig I saw of Glass Figures. I saw them a couple of years later at a festival, and I remember seeing a man of 55 cross-legged in the mud weeping while they were playing Daddy's Gone I thought, that doesn't happen, you know, that's oh, it really, really affected me that, and I still, you know, Daddy's Gone does it to me as well, Flowers and Football Tops as well Um, Geraldine, I mean these songs, I mean, and even I I love their, they released a Christmas uh, EP like the following year that has uh, with about five songs on it. Uh, there's another one about, you know, being in a guy in prison and all this stuff and a breakup and all this stuff. But uh, just, they're heart-wrenching. They're absolutely heart-wrenching. And they have the most incredible uh, crescendos, you know. And they, his mm-hmm. vocal just, I, I think, it's a beautifully produced album, their self-titled album. And um, I, really, they, they astound me. Like, Glass Vegas, even at the time, I, I, I loved it. And now when I go back to it, it's so... It still hits me as hard as it did then. And uh, as I say, people tend to think... Well, some people have said to me that they, it's unexpected that I like that album. But once again, Scotts Brogue, you know, such vulnerable lyrics. I think it's in a really... Um, I think it's such a bold record. And it's such an outlier. There was no album ar- surrounding its release that sounded anything like it. And in fact... Okay. Even after it didn't cause a big, it didn't cause a big yeah. wave of bands that sounded like Las Vegas. It yeah. just remained this singular thing, and I think it's so impressive.
3: I think um, <clears throat> I think maybe that that, that uh, I guess every time you know a lot of the times you'd see James on the cover of the enemy. Sometimes there'd be football shirts being yep. worn, and maybe that kind of lad culture mm. type. Football terrace kind of thing, maybe because he was a pro footballer, yes, he wasn't was, he? Yeah. Um, and 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 maybe I don't know that they and and that you know the press would always inflate like you know that you know they were you know just this absolute like like monster <laughs> band to see mm. live and 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 they um I've had it happen twice where I've seen so like I've seen a performance on television maybe three times, Woo Life, I think, when right. I, saw, I mm-hmm. saw them. But, um, when I first saw The Walkman perform The right. Rat, I was like, fuck me, what is yeah. this? And seeing Geraldine on George Holland. <sighs> yeah. And I was like, holy yeah, shit. Yeah, Something's like, happening. And Something's yeah. happening. And, and I love that album. Yeah. <clears throat> However, oh, I don't think it's the greatest record, mm-hmm. but I think if they released a four-track oh. EP, it'd be the greatest four-track EP <laughs> yeah, ever made. I mean, like,
0: <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and that's the thing about the. Um, you're you're not. I I think that's fair to say. There are there are album. There are songs on that album that aren't as good as the others. That's yeah. You know, never a truer words book of any album, really. But yeah. you know, there is on that record. There are ones that are. Noticeably not as good as the the one. The, but but yeah. I, w- I would. If that's because, because the bar exactly. sets so fucking high. It's because yeah. the others are too good. You can't match. <laughs> yeah. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, it's my own cheating heart that makes me cry. Um.
3: Yeah and anyone that can rip your heart from your chest while singing liar liar pants yeah, on exactly. fire. Li-
0: no no not liar liar pants on fire. Liar 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 pants on fire. Pants That's on fire. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, incredible. And and the this is the what is it the this is the happy ending where the bad guy goes down and dies. Oh, oh I absolutely love it.
3: It's unreal that yeah. record. Oh, I'm, like, so uh, I, I, I'm so glad
0: you agree. I'm so glad you agree.
3: Yeah, it's it's a- absolutely that was one of them records when i got the album i was going man to like so many of my mates going listen to this song like uh, and then if they went wow because i can hear elements of like i grew up like on lots of sort of shoegaze stuff and and i can hear that in there as well
0: you know completely and and especially seeing them live you know they're 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 like they're it's like they're made of stone they don't you know it's just like Oh, oh i love it i absolutely love it love it love it
3: when i saw your list and i saw that track and i was like oh i've waited a long time to talk about it on this podcast <laughs> oh, good. oh
0: good yes
3: okay final track okay a song that many people may not know that
0: you would like them to hear yeah, please right so um, this is another song i must admit that really really hits me every single time i hear it um, I've only known it for the past couple of years, though I've been a huge, tremendous fan of the songwriter for for many, many years. I, I, I think, I, well, I believe that the songwriter is generally underappreciated. I don't know why. Um, you know, you know, it's arguable that he's a household name, but I think in lots of circles he isn't sort of delved into very much. I don't know whether that's because, well he's very well known for one particular song obviously, um, and lots of soundtracks, and lots of movie scores, and he comes from that world where the where the, the instrumentation is very sort of orchestral and in places it's almost kind of lounge jazzy, and I understand that's actually not my bag, really. So um, that mm-hmm. can put me off. But when it comes to a piano ballad um with original lyrical content attached um he uh, he's near enough unmatched in my mind and uh so i chose a, a song that you might not know that is as i say very very close to me indeed it's it's um it's called wandering boy and it's by randy newman it's the last song on his most recent uh album dark matter and uh As I say, I've been a big fan of Randy Newman for many, many years. A friend of mine, in fact, my uh, drummer and collaborator, Stefan, he said that this particular song had been written a long, long time ago and never put on an original album. Um, And it also plays into that theme of parents singing about their kids. Um, Whether or not it's autobiographical, I'm pretty certain it's not. Once again, I mean, Randy Newman is an expert when it comes to writing about or or putting himself in the shoes of someone else or building a strong man or something like that. Um, I'm just realising you didn't choose Daddy's Gone, did no, you? No, I didn't. I chose... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I know this is the thing. It's the th- oh, yeah, I, I saw it happen. I saw it happen in real time. And I thought, oh, God. But, I, yeah, so... Um, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I could have gone for the hat trick there. But, um, yeah, this song is... It's just... Beautiful. And as soon as I heard it, that album, I bought it when it came out. And there's a few, you know, classic Randy Newman style songs, sort of polemic uh, songs. There's a song about Putin on there, which is very kind of satirical swipe at Putin. And um, there's another called uh, It's a Jungle Out There, which he'd released before, which is another kind of um, social critique. Um, But this song is just it's a it's a simple piano ballad and it's so heartfelt and uh yeah it seems to be from the perspective of a father who as far as i can make out has has lost a child and um oh I just i just weep i weep every it really there's a there's a couple of songs like that yeah. that that's maybe a uh a playlist I'd be less inclined to make because I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't get through it. Uh, it wouldn't be a cheery music on the on the walk to work. But um I think yeah, I think there's no better example of what of the kind of um uh emotional gut punch uh Randy Newman can deliver than uh this song, Wandering Boy. So I would uh, thoroughly recommend it to anyone listening, uh if they haven't heard it before. It's um it's one of those that's it's not flashy it's not too clever it's not um you know it's not trying to make you it's not trying to make you cry it's not one of those it's certainly not um yeah it's not sentimental in any way to to my mind anyway it's um it's very plain and uh yeah it's beautiful
3: well, Hamish, we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany oh, the podcast, great. so people can go and uh, listen to that and all the other songs that you've you've chosen. Oh. And obviously, uh, some of your music will put on there as well. Um, as we start to sort of come towards the end of twenty twenty one, hopefully, a much more connected mm-hmm. and, and happy and positive place than than the, 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 the tail end of twenty twenty. Um, what are you looking forward to personally from the rest of the year, and what's going to be happening? Right,
0: so I'm happy to say that this coming uh, Sunday, uh, I'm going on tour. The band and I are going on tour all over the UK, starting in Sheffield on Sunday. And we're playing an assortment of dates, Uh, Birmingham and um, Glasgow and London and uh, all sorts do uh, consult hamishhawk.com for details um but I'm absolutely i'm so we're all so psyched to be playing it's um the ticket sales seems to i've been told are going very very well indeed and um if if the past few gigs we've done are anything to go by, we did a gig at live at Leeds at the Brudenelle, which was you know uh, um yeah I can't even put into words how important that was for us it was a an absolutely staggering Feeling to be on a stage like that Lovely. um and we'd uh yeah we also did um a couple of dates in rotterdam as well as a dig uh gig in cardiff and the yeah the welcome we had in those at those four gigs was just astounding mm-hmm. so if those if the success of those gigs is anything to go by I, yeah i cannot wait to to leave for the tour on sunday so so that's the that's the first thing um it's looking like. Well, I say this with my fingers crossed. It's looking like we may well get some recording done as well before the end of the year is out. Um, not necessarily an entire album's worth in one sitting, but uh, as I say, it's gonna. It's a, a sign of things to come if we get some recording done, which is great. And uh, yeah, just as you say, uh, hopefully an, a more connected year. It's been it's been tough for everybody, and it's that. You know it's that isolation that's been the hardest, and I think um you know we've spoken about getting back to normal and and the new normal and what what that is exactly gonna look like, but I have hopes that next next year is going to it's just gonna be <laughs> let's say the best of the three as it were uh oh, yeah. hopefully. so I am um, yeah we're we're delighted to be uh, heading out on tour and i'm delighted to have opportunities like this uh, to talk to people like yourself um, um
3: oh hamish it's been an absolute joy um <laughs> like i say when i saw the, the list come over um yeah i was like this is going to be a great chat. <laughs> and uh and and yeah you, you need to come on and do a top please, five please. Uh, on the other podcast as well we'll, we'll, we'll make that happen as anytime. well anytime i'm um, there have a wonderful tour um, and if people want to keep up to speed with what's happening on the tour and that um, social media you're,
0: you're on all, Absolutely. The, all the usual platforms yep. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram all that stuff I'm there
3: wonderful well if it's alright with you we'll take you in that when, uh, when this comes certainly. out certainly yeah no problem top man Hamish thanks again not mate not at all
0: man my pleasure
3: boom there you go we had a lovely old natter even after we pressed stop that's a good sign of a podcast you know when he sent over Glass Vegas that track I thought do you know what we're going to get on and uh, I'll speak on behalf of myself. I felt like we, uh, we 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 got on really well. There was a good good old natter and a nice flow there. And, uh, um, yeah, what an absolute top lad. And, uh, yeah, go check out the show, The Seabright Arms. Um, and if you've not heard Hamish's music, then uh, get yourself on Spotify and, uh, and have a little listen because it's well ace, trust me. Uh, I wouldn't lie to you. Um, I'm back next time. In the meantime, like I said at the beginning, go check out the back catalogue. Because uh, there's some ace natters to be listened to, uh, as well as that. You can support the podcast on a thing called Patreon, and uh, it's patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track. That gives you access to another couple of hundred episodes that have never been released uh, video episodes, radio shows, all sorts of stuff. So, uh, yeah, your one stop shop for all of this off the beat and track podcast.com. I'm back next time. In the meantime, um, just be bloody nice to each other, and uh, and I'll see you then. Bye bye it's off the beat and track podcast on the distraction
1: pieces network with me stew with him